there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. Part 2. I just want to continue from where I left last Sunday. We looked at three catalysts of favor. The first one was prayer. The second one was integrity. The third one was marriage. If you are single, you will be married in Jesus' name. And the fourth one, I'll give you like three or four today. Then continue next Sunday. The fourth one is relentless pursuit of the good. Relentless pursuit of the good. Roses can be found in nearly every color and a variety of shapes. I was doing a study of roses and I realized that we have over 150 species of roses and thousands of hybrids. They come in so many colors. You know, many of us, when we think about roses, we only think of red roses because red roses signify love and romance. If somebody brings you red roses, even without them speaking, they are already communicating that they are interested in you, isn't it? Unless if you don't know what roses are. But if somebody brought you red roses, you know that they are communicating love, you know, to you. So there are so many, you know, types of roses with different colors, purple, uh, yellow, orange, and they communicate, you know, different feelings and aspects of life. Hey, somebody, may God cause somebody to give you roses, especially red ones, before this year is over, in Jesus' name. But this is not a joke, it's a prophecy. I prophesy, may somebody come and kneel on one knee and present you with roses, red ones, in the name of Jesus. I see you receiving them. And I, re I see you crying as you're receiving them. Tears are rolling down your cheeks because it is too good to be true in Jesus' name. You know, I saw a clip on social media. It was very interesting of a lady who was leading worship and she was caught up in worship and a gentleman came and knelt before her. When she opened her eyes, the gentleman was there, you know, making a proposal. I can imagine the direction that service took. <laughs> but tell your neighbor, don't try that in church here. <laughs> There's somebody who said that some people complain because God put thorns on roses, while others praise him for putting roses among thorns. As beautiful as the roses are, I want you to know that they grow in the midst of thorns. You don't see a rose without thorns. And so if you focus on the rose, the color, 
or the rose, you know, it will give you an experience because you can even like, um, you can even uh, sniff the scent of the rose and it has a magical effect on you. But if you focus on the thorns as well, you will have quite a different experience. So roses are not just by themselves. They are surrounded by thorns. And so the beauty of these roses unfold in the backdrop of thorns. So if you focus on the thorns, you will grumble. But if you focus on the rose, you will be grateful. So it all boils down to what you decide to focus on. If you focus on the roses, you'll be grateful. If you focus on the thorns, you're going to complain because thorns are known to be very harmful. Have you ever been pricked by a poisonous thorn? You know, remember when you were going to school without shoes? You know, some of you don't understand that. But some of us used to go to school without shoes. You know, I remember I went to school without shoes for so long that the day my father bought me shoes, my feet could not fit in the shoe because my feet had expanded. And I was uncomfortable because I was used to aeration. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one. Is there anybody here who went to school without shoes? I mean, the, the lower part of the leg was so hard. It became a natural soul. <laughs> anyway, I'm the only one who understands what I'm talking about. For those who never went to school without shoes, may God bless you. And thank God for your parents. But some of us, you know, it was quite an experience. And then I went to a school where people were not wearing shoes. You know, so I had to even stop wearing the shoes that my father bought because they were laughing at me. The people were not wearing shoes, were laughing at the person who is wearing shoes. And the person who was wearing shoes started suffering low self-esteem for wearing shoes. I should be the one laughing at them. It's amazing how life is, isn't it? In those days, we used to be pricked by thorns. Sometimes it used to make your feet swell. So if you focus on the thorns, I want you to know that you will not appreciate the beauty of roses. Now, we all have a choice to make when it comes to what we choose to focus on. When you choose to pursue in life, what you choose to pursue in life rather determines your experience. If, if, if you choose the roses it will give you an experience. If you choose the thorns, it will give you an experience. If you focus on the roses, it will give you an experience. If you focus on the thorns, it will give you an experience as well. So it is important for us to understand that what we choose to pursue or what we choose to focus on will determine our experiences. Now, if you choose to focus on the good, I want you to know that you will have an experience. In fact, you will have a good experience. If you choose to focus on the bad and the ugly, you will have an experience. And it won't be a very good experience as well. Amen. If you choose to focus on the good qualities of someone, you will have a great experience when you are around them. Isn't it true? 
But if you choose to focus on the bad qualities of that person, because everybody has good qualities and, 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 and bad qualities. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I know you. You have good qualities, which you always project to me. <laughs> but you also have bad qualities, which you do not project. You really hide them until we get married. <laughs> Isn't it true? Yeah. We always put the best foot forward. But we hide, you know, all these other things. But let me tell you, if you choose to focus on the good, you will have a great experience. For you to survive in marriage, you must focus on the good. Look, there is nobody who is perfect. Praise the Lord. Can I talk to you? Even this Miss Universe, Miss Yokimao, Miss G. What? What is the name of your estate? You mean you don't live in an estate? Where, where do you live? Miss your estate, Miss your village, Miss Kenya, Miss I don't know what. Let me tell you, they also have flaws. I'm telling you. They also have what? They are flaws. You see, you know, one time I was watching this, um, they call it beauty pageantry. You know, and, and they selected like a few ladies and they were doing an interview for them. Because you see, they don't just rate you according to your physical beauty. They also want to see if your brain is beautiful as well. And so some ladies, when they started talking, you know, when they came, they appeared like they had a hundred, you know, percent. But they, when they started talking and they were answering questions, it, it went down to 95. As they kept on talking, it went back to nine, down to 90, then 85. It kept on going down as they were talking. So they don't just consider your physical, you know, flawlessness. There are many other things, you know, that they consider. I hope your talking does not deduct marks from you as well. Hallelujah. I pray for you. May you have the tongue of the learned according to the book of Isaiah. So everybody, I want you to know that you are not perfect. You understand what I'm saying? And everything in this life is not perfect. You understand what I'm saying? Where you're working, it is not a perfect you know, environment. Where your business is, it's not a perfect environment. Where, where the church is, the, the road that leads to the church, I'm telling you, it is quite a journey. By the time you get here, the breakfast has been you know, spent in your system, isn't it? Because you are negotiating the potholes, you are going down, you are coming up, you are jumping, your mind is working. If you are driving, you are trying to see where you put the left tire, the right. By the time you get here, it's like you've been to the gym. Isn't it true? So, no, no place is perfect. But if, if, if you focus on the negative part, it will give you a certain experience. But also, when you focus on the positive side, it will equally give you a certain experience. Am I communicating to someone this morning? Hallelujah. Amen. Like here, we are having a fantastic experience. But what we went through to get here is something else. Isn't it true? Oh, you guys have forgotten about the road. Me, I have not forgotten. I'm praying for it every single day. I want to have an experience when I'm coming to church. And it will happen soon in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So you must choose to focus on the good. And when you focus on the good, then it gives you a certain experience. So when you choose to focus on the good, that's what I'm trying to get to. When you choose to focus, because you, you have to make a decision. 
When you choose to focus on the good, I want you to know it will attract favor. I need to say that again. When you choose to focus on the good, it will attract favor. Hallelujah. When you choose you know, to pursue the good relentlessly, it will attract favor in your life. Proverbs chapter 21, sorry, chapter 11, verse 27. I, I want you to give me from the KJV translation of the Bible. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 27. The Bible says that he that diligently seeketh good procureth favor. But he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. Now, turn over to New King James, we see, so that people can understand the procureth and the other eth, what it means. He who honestly seeks good finds what? Favor. But trouble will come to him who seeks evil. So you can see that if you are always looking out for the good, whether it's in a person or where you're working or where you're living, connecting with people and seeing the good in them, the Bible says you will attract favor. Hallelujah. So tell your neighbor, treat me good. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, you never know. You see, I, as I told you, 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 some of you don't know that the person who is seated next to you is actually your landlord. You never know. You understand what I'm saying? So if you seek good, the good rather, in people, seek the good where you're working, seek the good even in the church. Because not everything in the church is perfect. But if you seek the good, in everything that you are associating yourself with, then favor will come upon your life. Amen. You know, there are people who are always looking for the bad. They're always looking for the ugly. They're always looking for flaws and weaknesses. You know, when, when, when you're always looking for bad things, I'm telling you, you will never do anything. When you're always looking for the bad in people, you know, I see sometimes even relationships, people come together, and when they start talking, people begin on a negative note. Yeah. They say, this one is not my type. Negative note. Negative note. This one, I don't even like his height. Negative note. This one, I don't like the tribe he comes from. Negat if you start on a negative note, I'm telling you, you will never do anything. You will never experience favor in your life. You rather start on the positive note as you progress towards the negative note. Do you understand what I'm saying? But if you start on the negative note, you will never progress. You will never move. You will never start anything. The Bible says even the person, the farmer who observes the wind, you know, the weather, to see if he should sow or not. I mean, when he starts on a negative note, he will never sow his seeds. So we must always try and give people the benefit of doubt. Seek the good. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Seek the good that is in people. Because when you do that, the Bible says, you will attract favor. Hallelujah. Because all of us, we have preconceived ideas about people. Some of us, you know, I don't know, is the frame of the mind. When you see somebody who looks in a certain way, you assume that person is not kind. I'm saying the truth. 
Isn't it? Some of you, when you look at somebody who has a certain complexion, you assume they come from a certain region in this country. This church is very quiet this morning. The way you look at, you make conclusions very fast. Very, very quickly. You know, and you assume that there is nothing that you can actually engage this person on because of the way they look. Already you have blocked them. Already you have, you know, come up with your conclusions. Already you have said, this guy, if, 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 you know, even some of us, when somebody begins to talk and you discover they come from a certain, you, 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 you conclude that even your money is not safe. Isn't it true? Anytime you start on the negative note, you fail to attract favor. And sometimes you might be making conclusions about somebody that God wants to use to activate favor in your life. Tell your neighbor, please, don't, don't, don't joke with me. You know, I'm loaded. I can change your life. Hmm? Are you talking to your neighbor? Some of you are afraid. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you, you, don't joke with me. Tell them, I can make you stay in that house for one year without paying rent. <laughs> so seek the good. Relentlessly seek the good in people where you are and you will always attract what? Favor. Can I hear an amen? amen. Number five. How do we also activate favor in our lives? It's through the act of an authority figure. It's through the act of an authority figure. Now, generally, human beings are rebellious to authority. You see, everywhere you see a leader being installed, I want you to know that rebellion is also present. Everywhere, when, when they just say from today, this is the leader. I want you to know, as soon as they say this is the leader, rebellion is also present. Yeah? Undercover, but it is present. Chinyamaji, but it is present. Everywhere a leader is established, you will always find rebellion in that place as well. It lacks around the corner. Around the corner. And this, this we also see in the Bible. Where God was, there was rebellion. God was in heaven, seated in heaven. Ezekiel chapter 28, you know, Isaiah chapter 14, you can read that. In heaven, you know, seated on his throne, ruling and reigning supreme. But even in that environment, there was a rebellious element in that environment. And that is Lucifer. He rebelled against God in heaven, the holiest place in the universe. In the universe, heaven. There was rebellion. Satan was there. And he started having ideas. I'm going to say mercy. And he started planning how he can receive worship from people. How he can unseat God. You know, he could see how God was seated and angels were falling down before him to worship him. The seraphims, the cherubims were flying all over the place. You know, honoring God. He saw how the 24 elders were bowing before him and crying to him. And he, desi and he, and he desired that for himself as well. And so something started building inside of him and he rose against God. And he was able to sway even angels who have now become demons that bother you every now and then. You know, he swayed them, you know, from God and he fell down with them 
That's what I'm telling you. Everywhere you see authority, I want you to know that rebellion is also present. When you look at Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, they rebelled against Moses. Moses was the man that God had established to be able to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. Yet Korah, Dathan, and Abiram rose against him. When you look at Sanballat and Tobias, they downplayed the leadership of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the one that had the vision to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And when he started talking to the you know, Jews about building or rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, Tobias, Sanballat, you know, and all these guys, the Arabs, and all these people, they rose up against Nehemiah, started laughing at him, saying the, the wall that they will build, even if foxes were to stand on them, I mean, those walls will come tumbling down. Demons, you know, rebelled against Paul. It's because of the fallen nature in us. That's why we are really, really fighting, you know, God's established authority. But I want you to understand that a man or a woman in a place of authority is your ticket to favor. When God establishes a man or a woman in a place of authority for you, I want you to know that God is going to use that man to be able to favor you. Because this man has influence, this man has a platform, this man has resources and the goodwill you know, to favor your life. And the reason why God has placed him there is so that you may align with his leadership. You may align, you know, with his vision. You may align with the principles that he has set in place. And as you do so, favor begins to flow in your life. Some of you, if you are not as stubborn as you are, your boss could have favored you a long time ago. But you are so stubborn. Look at your neighbor. Don't say nothing and then look at me. You're so stubborn. You're not flowing with your boss. You love challenging your boss. In the name of quoting the scripture, iron sharpens iron. <laughs> and so if, 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 the, if the boss thinks of, look, when, when you're a leader, Maybe some of you are not leaders. You don't understand what I'm saying. But when you are a leader, once in a while, somebody say once in a while, when you are alone somewhere, you always think and, and wonder, who, who can I bless? Every leader is like that. Yeah, once in a while, when you're just seated alone, you're just, you know, maybe eating or relaxing or listening to music, or you're just meditating, you start asking yourself, who can I bless? This organization, who can I bless? So your boss has been having those moments. Who can I bless? And then when your name comes, he says, no, 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 not that one. You know? I'm telling you. Do you know that is how Mephibosheth was favored by David? One day, out of the blues, David started thinking about Jonathan. Yes, started thinking about Jonathan. Then he asked, is there anyone that has been left of the house of Saul? Started inquiring, looking around, inquiring. That's how Mephibosheth was discovered when he realized there was somebody of the house of Saul who was still alive, he decided to favor that gentleman. Every leader goes through that moment in their lives where you're just thinking, who can I favor in this organization? Who can I bless in this organization? 
And so if, if you align yourself with that boss, all right, he might not be born again, but he's still your boss. Isn't it? He might not be speaking in tongues like you. You, you speak in tongues until you vibrate like a generator, isn't it? He might not be at the level you are at spiritually, but let me tell you, he's still your boss. He's still above you. You understand what I'm saying? And, 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 and I pray that when he goes through those moments, may he remember your name. And may he favor you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Please shout a louder amen because all I'm saying is powerful. Because I want all of you to be promoted. Talk to me, somebody. I say, I want all of you to be promoted. Yes, in Jesus' name. You know, like, let me give you a very simple example. You know, one time, I, I, I was just thinking, what can we do? There was one house manager who was very, you know, good to us. You know, not the one who got married. There's another one before that. And when I, when I was thinking, I wanted to suggest to Pastor Mary what we can do for her. Before I spoke to Pastor Mary, she misbehaved. So the favor I wanted to extend, I, I swallowed it. Every leader, every boss will go through those moments. Look around and say, who can I favor here? Who can I favor? Who can I favor here? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Are we together? Yes. yes. Just look around and say, who can I favor here? You know? Who can I favor in this church? <laughs> who can I favor among my staff? Who, who can I favor? Is it pastors? Eh? Who, can, who, who can I favor? Who can I favor? You missed a place to say me, but now let's, let's just continue. So I've swallowed my favor again. <laughs> so favor is tied to an authority figure in your life. You see, favor is like a mantle which is placed on men by men. I need to say that again. Favor is like a mantle which is placed on men by men. It is an invisible quality that is placed on men or bestowed on men by men. And I'll prove to you. You see, Samuel was a man who was favored by God and by men. The Bible says he enjoyed these two dimensions of favor. You know, he had favor with God, but at the same time, he had favor with man. Now, when Hannah, the mother, took him to the temple, because this guy was favored, there's something that Hannah did. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, uh, verse 18 to 19, that, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child, guarded with a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother, his mother used, give me King James, King James. His mother made him a little coat. Somebody say a little coat. Made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year. So every year, Samuel had a new coat. Made by the mother when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Every year, she brought a court, special court, for who? For Samuel. You see, Samuel was wearing other, you know, garments because he was operating in the priestly office. But there was a special court that the mother made for Samuel. And she brought this court 
every year for him to wear. And so that coat made him very different. He looked conspicuously different from the rest of the guys who were working, you know, in the temple. And that is what favor does for you. It makes you stand out. Talk to me, somebody. Yeah, favor makes you do what? Stand out. You receive preferential treatment. Favor makes you look different from the rest of the people. You are in your class by yourself. Others are wearing all these efforts and whatever, but you, you have an extra coat that makes you look different from everybody else. So I believe the coat was not just to make him feel warm and to parade it around, but the coat was communicating a message that this is my favorite child. This child is very special to me. Do you know that Hannah had five more kids but the Bible does not say that she made courts for the five kids. Talk to me, somebody. This court was tailor-made for somewhere. And every year she went to church to offer the yearly sacrifice. She carried a special court for somewhere. Samuel had a special court from mama. I can see him walking around the temple and they're asking, Oh, where did you get this court? He said, This court is from my mama. Mama made me this court. So by the time the guy was dying, you can imagine how many courts he had. So many. She didn't wait for them to be old. She just kept on bringing all these different courts to, you know, to this special child of hers. Hallelujah. Can we go a little bit deeper? Genesis chapter 37, verse 3 to 4. Give me King James again. There's another person here by the name Jacob. He also made a coat for his son, Joseph. Woo, I love this. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat. Somebody shout a coat. Of many colors. It was glittering. It looked like these different shades of a rose flower. All right? And his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren. Then what did they do? They hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. So Joseph's court was like Samuel's court. Joseph's court set him apart from his brothers. And they could tell that the father loved Joseph more than, more than them all. And so they were so angry. They were envious of Joseph because every time he wore the coat, it reminded them of who the father loved the most. Hallelujah. Hmm. These courts are powerful. These are courts of favor. That's why I told you that your, 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 your authority figure can actually place a court around you. He can place a special court of favor that makes people see that you are actually favored in that season of your life. Hallelujah. May God throw courts around. Hallelujah. May people see that you are highly favored of God. Wherever you go, in the name of Jesus. Can you shout a louder amen in this house? Can you see Samuel walking around with the court? Can you see Joseph walking around with the court? 
And you see, the favor of God upon Joseph, I mean, aggravated the brothers so much that they even decided to kill him. They were not killing him because he was Joseph. They were killing him because of the court. They wanted the court, but the court was not theirs. The court was for Joseph. But did they succeed in killing him? No, they didn't succeed in killing him. Because favor also protects you from your enemies. They will hurt you. They will plot against you. But God somehow, in his own wisdom, will protect you from their hatred. Can I hear an amen? May God throw a coat of many colors around you in the name of Jesus. May God dress you with a coat of favor in Jesus' name. May God use your boss or supervisor or your leader or your pastor to throw a coat around you in the name of Jesus that will set you apart. Shout a louder, amen. Give somebody high five and tell them, I'm wearing my coat of favor. They didn't hear you. Tell them one more time, I'm wearing my coat of favor. Can we go deeper? First Samuel chapter 27, I show you something here, very powerful. Hmm. When that coat comes upon you, your life changes. I'm telling you. Hallelujah. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me anymore in any coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. At this particular time, you know, Saul was hunting David down. And so David decided to, you know, run away to go and save his life because David could not fight against his father. And David is teaching as a principle here that you can't fight against your father and win. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't even fight against your biological father and win. You can't fight against your spiritual father and win. That is, that is a war, even if you start, you will never win. You will expend your energies, expend your resources, but you will never win. And David understood this. He knew he was anointed to be king, but he knew this war, if I start it, I cannot win. So what did he do? He decided to run away. And David arose and he passed over with the 600 men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Mao, king of Gath. Now, this was a Philistine king that David ran to for refuge. Then verse 3. And David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, even David with his two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail. You remember Abigail? Uh-huh. The Carmelites, Nabal's wife. Verse 4. And it was told so that David had fled to Gath and he sought no more again for him. So he said, let him stay there. I'll not follow him. And David said unto Achish, if I have now found grace, the New King James, turn it to New King James. You see what he says. If I have now found what? Favor. Because favor and grace are connected. If I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place. He's asking this king who lives in the territory of the perennial enemies of the Israelites in Gath, one of the cities of the Philistine territory. And he says, if I found favor in your eyes. You see, when favor comes up, when you wear that coat, 
Even when you go into the enemy's, enemy's territory, the enemy cannot touch you. No wonder when Joseph went into Egypt with favor. It was a foreign nation, but he still prospered. David goes into the Philistine territory with the coat of many colors. And look at what happens to him. He says, if I found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? Verse 6. So Achish gave him Ziglag that day. Therefore Ziglag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Verse 7. Now, the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistine was one full year and four months. He went and lived in the territory of his enemies for one year and, and four months. And they never touched him. And they gave him a city because of favor. David left Saul's palace with nothing. But because of favor, a king in a foreign land, gave him an entire city. I don't know if I'm preaching to people in this house. Because of favor, he went to a foreign country and he was given an entire city and he became a very rich person. Because of what? The coat. When you wear this coat, it doesn't matter where you go. You can prosper in the village. You can prosper in the city. It doesn't matter where you go, you will still prosper. As your spiritual father, I throw that coat around you in the name of Jesus. I don't like the way you are receiving the coat. I say, as your spiritual father, I throw the coat of many colors around you right now. That regardless of where you are, may you prosper. May you be a ruler of territories, a ruler of cities. May you take over regions because of this favor in the name of Jesus. Can you shout a louder amen in this house? Give somebody a high five and tell them my territory is expanding. My region is expanding. My space is expanding. I prophesy because of this court, the court of favor. Even your business is expanding. Your house is expanding. Your geographical location is expanding. Shout a louder, amen. The Bible says you shall break forth to the right and to the left. That is what the, the court of, you know, many colors can achieve in your life. That where you are living, it was a small territory, but when it comes upon you, even your enemies, they give you larger territory. Hey! Some of you have been supervising five people. But when this court comes upon you, you will supervise five regions. Oh. Am I in the city of transformation? I say you shall supervise a bigger region in the name of Jesus. Some of you, I prophesy, get ready. A promotion is coming your way. And Africa will be under your supervision. At the place of work, I prophesy it over your life in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout, I receive it. David was given a city. A city. 
a city, not just a house, a city. May you start walking in the realms of ruling over cities, regions, large vast lands in the name of Jesus. Look, ladies and gentlemen, thank God for protein. You know what protein is? Thank God for protein. But let me tell you, I throw this coat around you. You are going for acres. 50 acres. 100 acres. 1,000 acres. Receive it in the name of Jesus. I say receive it in the name of Jesus. Hmm. You know, I was listening to these interviews. One of the candidates, running mates. I'll not mention her name, but she was very good. And she educated me a little bit. How many feel like you were educated that day? Look at this spiritual. She educated me a little bit. There's something she said. She said that Kenya, basically, 80% of the land in Kenya has not been tilled. We have concentrated on 20%. Yeah, all of us are congested. The 20%. Yesterday when we were landing, I was seated next to someone I was preaching to. You'll be there. You'll be landing. Yeah, some of you just arrived. Yeah, we arrived. We were going and then we... Yeah, you will start landing. You'll be taking off and you'll be landing as well. Receive that prophecy in the name of Jesus. When we were landing, I saw vast pieces of land. Nobody's living there. Huge chunks of land. And I was telling that person, look, we are all concentrated in small places, causing traffic jam for each other, inconveniencing each other. A guy who is going there, he inconveniences you. You, you are going to Naivasha. He's blocking you. Try to overtake. He's blocking you. And he's just going there. After 30 seconds, you see he's indicating. And you're wondering. Because all of us are concentrated in small places. Yet 80%. 80% unoccupied. I want to send you with this coat. I said, I want to send you with this coat of many colors. To go and buy those huge chunks of land. And convert them into cities in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout a louder amen in this house. family are building a city. A city. They are building a city. Because the one we have is so confused. They want to come up with their own. Which is structured. There is order. Systems are working. The light is working. The road is okay. Water is flowing. If they can do it. If David was able to do it. And David did not come from a rich family. He was only operating under favor. I prophesy over your life as well. When this court comes upon you, you shall also build cities in the name of Jesus. Shout a louder amen in this house. Sit down. I give you the an another one. Number six. 
think I'll stop at number six, then continue next Sunday. Number six is mentorship. Mentorship also activates favor in your life. Mentorship is a biblical principle. We see it between Elijah and Elisha, Naomi and Ruth, Moses and Joshua, Samuel and the sons of the prophets, Paul and Timothy. We also see it with Jesus. Mark chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Hallelujah. It's one thing to be, to be called and it's another thing to respond to the calling. When he called them, they did what? They came to him. Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. He wanted them first of all to be with him so they may receive an impartation from him and then he could send them out to preach. There are people who have gone out to preach and they have never spent some, some time with their mentor. What are you preaching? What are you telling people? Jesus said, you know, brought these guys close to him. Hmm? So I'm preaching to my pastors and all the reverends to be very close to me for impartation. Hallelujah. Because, you see, you see demons told sons of Sceva, Paul we know. Leave alone Jesus. Jesus is in another category. But they say Paul. We know. So that means anything that proceeds out of Paul is legit. They were telling these sons of Sceva, if Jesus didn't send you, at least let us know if Paul sent you. Yeah. Let us know if Paul sent you. Because we know those two. We know Jesus, but also we know Paul. So, mentorship is important. And mentorship does not happen virtually. Talk to me, somebody. Yeah, so, you can't say, I'll just watch online. I'll just watch by my side, I'll just, by my bed, by my whatever, in my living room. Mentorship is close. Jesus brought them close that they might be with him, that he might send them to do what? To preach. To have power to heal sicknesses and to do what? To cast out demons. Amazing. I've always said this and I'll say it again. Look, I've realized pastors, we don't really influence our members. Our members are influenced by our bo the bosses at the place of work and supervisors at the place of work. Because the pastor only meets you, for some of you only come on Sunday, he meets you for 45 minutes on Sunday. And that's if you are really attentive to listen to what he says for the 45 minutes. Because sometimes, you know, in the middle of the message, you sleep. You only wake up when people are shouting amen and you ask, why are you shouting amen? Isn't it? But Monday, your boss is influencing you. Tuesday, your boss is influencing you. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And some of you even Saturday. And some of you even Sunday. So you want the pastor to undo 
in 45 minutes what you've been eating. For how many hours? Is it 40 hours? 40 hours plus. Because Monday 8 to 8 is like 8 hours. So 8 times 5 or 6. What is 8 times 6? 48. Almost 50 hours. Because sometimes also you stay around, isn't it? At the, at the office you stay around. He tells you stay around. I've added more work for you. And then he will induce you with 5,000 shillings. Look at the way you're quiet. So your boss is actually pastoring you. And he doesn't encourage you the way I do. He's shouting at you. Calling you names. Black man. Short man. <laughs> Please tell me the names he calls you. <laughs> eh? Stupid man. But you still go. He's releasing all those prophecies. Mondays. Tuesdays. Wednesdays. Thursdays. Fridays. He's really prophesying how he has helped you. How you will never make it. <laughs> because he's the one helping you. How he's feeding your children. Helping you paying rent. He's telling you all those things. And you keep on going. To receive prophecies. Tuesday. <laughs> Wednesday. Thursday. Then you want the pastor to undo what you've been eating for 50 hours in 30 minutes. Are you seeing how tough pastoral work is? Huh? And then you say he's not anointed. Let me look for stronger anointing. It's not stronger anointing. It is that how you spend, it is how you spend your time. It's how you spend your time. You understand? That's why Jesus said, you guys, I want you to come and spend time with me. Yeah, I want to walk with you. I want to teach you. I want to pray for you. I want to counsel you. I want to have a conversation with you so that I may empower you to go and preach and do the work of the ministry. Mentorship releases so many things in your life and one of them is favor. Esther chapter 2. Ooh, glory. Esther, chapter 2, verse 18. Are we together? Tell me, but we are moving closer to our shepherd that he may prophesy good things over our lives. Glory to God. Huh? You know, there are people saying, you call me whatever names you want to call me so long as you give me a salary. Yeah, talk to me the way you want to talk to me, but make sure my salary does not delay. But you need to understand that words also have power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. If they keep on calling you something, calling you something, calling you something, you become it. They did a study of all these prostitutes who are on K Street. And the results were shocking. That most of them said almost 90% of all those prostitutes, they say is because when they were growing up, the father used to call them, when he's mad, used to say, you prostitute. You prostitute. And now they became prostitutes. Mercy. I cancel every negative word. From your boss, supervisor, 
Whatever he is, I cancel those words in the name of Jesus. And I decree you blessed and highly favored. Can you shout a loud amen in this house? Esther chapter 2, mentorship 18. Then the king made a great feast. The king was looking for a wife. Look, if you are a wife here, don't think you cannot be replaced. Stop taking the son of Abraham through hell. You can be replaced. With your lips, hips, and fingertips. You can be replaced. The king was having a feast. He has visitors. He tells his wife to come. Vashti, come. So people can see how beautiful you are. People can see the money I have spent on you. Your hair, makeup, nails, whatever. And she refused. Publicly she refused. And the advisors, they told the king, look, this woman has disregarded you in front of everybody. She will teach other women bad manners. Now, <laughs> Tell her from today she's not going to be a queen. Just because of that. And the king said, Vashti, never appear before me again. Me and you, it is over. Then they say, king, you need to look for another one who is obedient, a one wife. When you call, she runs. When you cough, she runs. When you yawn, she says, did you call me? <laughs> That's the one you need. Then they selected all these virgins and they were brought to a harem to be prepared so they can appear before the king. Esther also was chosen. Also, uh, Esther actually was recommended by, the, the, uh, by Mordecai, who was the uncle. Was it uncle? Yes. Then the king made a feast, verse 18. The feast of Esther for all his officials and servants. He proclaimed a holiday in the provinces and gave gifts according to the generosity of a king. Can we go up? Verse 15. Verse 15, 15. Now, when the turn, your turn is coming. When the turn came for Esther, daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king. Look at what Esther did. She requested nothing but what Higai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women. You see, this guy was a eunuch. So, even putting women around him, it was still safe. Or oh, you want to ex me to explain who a eunuch is? Some of you, we can't put women around you. You are a razor blade. Interpret it, translate it in Swahili. It's, it's more powerful. Give me the scripture. But what he guy kings, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, you see, Esther only did what, you see, Hegai was the one in charge of all these, you know, women who were brought. And she, he was supposed to train them. He was supposed to prepare them, you know, because they were going to appear before the king. And he was supposed to make sure that they are an embodiment of what the king is looking for. Now, when you read up there, you realize that most of those women, they did what they wanted. But Esther was different. Esther did what her mentor wanted. And her mentor was Hegai. 
She followed everything he said. The Bible here said that she followed what he advised. That is mentorship, ladies and gentlemen. And Esther obtained favor. Because she followed what the mentor was saying, she obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. Because this guy told Esther, I've been with this king for years. I know what he likes. I know his type of women. I know how he wants his woman to dress. And Esther said, I will not wear what I want. I will wear what you will advise me to wear. Because everybody here, you have your own preferences. Isn't it? Yeah, there are people here who can never even wear jeans. Because you believe jeans is for people who are not born again. You cannot wear it. That's how you are wired. You are still trying to come out of that kind of mindset. There are people who can wear, cannot even wear a t-shirt. A t-shirt. Let me not go deeper than that. So, Esther followed mentorship. And because of mentorship, she was favored. Now, this was not the only place she was favored. Can you give me verse 16? Everybody that saw Esther, oof, favor was upon her. It shall happen to you as well. Everywhere you go, may you be favored because of mentorship. In the name of Jesus. So, Esther was taken to the king. Mm -hmm. When she was taken into his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the 7th year of his reign. Then what happened, verse 17? The king, the king loved Esther more than all other women. That's what Israel did with his sons as well when it came to Joseph. She, he, he loved Esther more than all the women. You see, all these women were virgins. All of them were virgins. All of them were beautiful. But there was something extra that Esther possessed simply because she was operating under the mentorship of her guy. Oh, I wish I had a witness in this house. Because there's something you acquire when you sit under mentorship. But the people who just say, me, I know what a man wants. Oh, men are the same. I know what they want. Me, I know what men want. Eh. You know what men want. There are some who don't love loud women. You, you are very loud. You're already disqualified. Do you understand what I'm talking about? But because Hagar had stayed with the king, he knew what the king wanted. The king was not just looking for beauty. The king was not just looking for a virgin. The king was looking for a replacement of Vashti. In other words, he, he was looking for anything that was not close to Vashti. And you, you're coming and saying, I think he'll just love my hips. I think he'll just love my fingers. I mean, he'll just love my... No! Vashti has hips. Maybe they're even more rounder than yours. Vashti has fingers. Vashti has a hairstyle, but there is something that she lacks, and whatever she lacks, that's what favor gives unto you. When you appear before the king, he says, Yes, 
The king loved Esther more than all these other women and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of who? Vashti. So she, he, he was actually looking for a replacement of Vashti and because of favor. Esther was the one that was selected. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look, some of you replace some people. Ish. The man is not coming forth. Because you're, you're, you're thinking about yourself. Am I the one who is going to be replaced or what? But look, that's what mentorship can do. Preparing you for places. Because some of the places you want to get to, somebody is already sitting there. But mentorship. Ooh, Jesus, help me preach. I say mentorship. I say mentorship will push the wrong people in the right places. So that the right people can sit on those right places. And those people are here. And those people are listening to me. And those people are listening to my message today. May mentorship activate favor in your life. And push you into strategic places. Where God wants you to be in, in the name of Jesus. Shout a louder amen in this house. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazu Techero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.